You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. Welcome to We Are Libertarians Daily. I am Chris Spangle. I am the host of We Are Libertarians, the founder of this network, and uh, the dear leader to all of my people where we, in this kingdom, have mandatory freedom. And uh, one of my favorite subjects is here, uh, Jason Doolittle. He is uh, $100 a month contributor, so he is highly exalted in the emperor's circle of our Patreon, which you can join at wearelibertarians.com. And uh, Jason's also one heck of a guy, and uh, you know he had a recent success in his hometown with lobbying. So Jason, did you ever yeah. think that you'd become a lobbyist, a dirty, evil lobbyist? Oh, I am libertarian establishment now. <laughs> You're a lino. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. No, I uh, I never really expected that I would much get involved in uh, politics in any real uh, real capacity. Uh, I mean, everybody, I guess, thinks about like, what would I do if I were if I were in government? But you know, as far as lobbying, no, never. <laughs> Right. You think, oh, I'll run for office. But you, you actually had a great experience with something that we we talked a little bit about. And so you said, hey, I'd love to tell people about this. And I think that this is something that was probably easier than you thought it might be. And uh, mm-hmm. so let's let's start with where do you live and what was the issue? Okay. So I live in a suburb of, the, of Fort Worth in Texas. Um, and I live – it's a um, – it has a kind of an agricultural background, like a lot of those um, outlying cities. Do. Well, actually, most cities in um, Texas have sort of an agriculture background, just from the state. But um, Fort Worth is the you know you know cow town, and and my hometown is uh, um, very much has an agricultural background. A lot of uh, horse people live out there. There's a lot of farms, hobby farms, and that sort of thing. Um, and when my wife and I moved into the area, uh, we are moving from Minneapolis where, um, this is going to sound so silly, but chickens are legal in Minneapolis. And we, we kind of talked about getting some chickens before we moved. And, uh, she really wants these, she really, really wanted to have some chickens, some backyard chickens. And, uh, we moved to, uh, this town and they weren't allowed, which was very surprising to us given the background of the city. And, um, you know, there's a lot, I mean, it's Texas, there's a lot of space. It's not like we were all on top of each other. Like, uh, like we were in Minneapolis. I mean, Minneapolis allowed a lot of chickens, Fort Worth allows chickens. A lot of these other big cities allow backyard chickens, but this suburb and, and actually surprisingly, as I got into this, a surprising number of suburbs don't allow backyard chickens. So, Fast forward a year or two. Um, let me uh, let me stop you there and let me ask, like, how did you did you Google it? Like, what was the? You're like, oh wait, before mm-hmm. before we better mm-hmm. before we go to the the local farm uh, store and buy some chickens, we better see if the crown uh, allows right. this sort of thing. Is that what, how did you find out? So what happened? Um, my wife she she had gone to the feed store and they were selling. There was a chicken coop that was on sale that, and she went there and she bought it. She was very excited. And she brought it home and uh, I was going to start putting it together. And I don't know why she decided she was going to check on, like, I think she wanted to see how many were permitted. Like we just both assumed that, you know, of course this is okay. Why would it not be okay? And she went to check, you know, can I only have six or four or what, what's the, 
what's the limit? And um, uh, she was heartbroken. They, they, they didn't allow chickens. That's like, yeah, so. yeah, I, I like that you, you're like, of course we can have chickens, but the freedom is probably limited. Like, we're, we're, <laughs> yeah, no, that's so true. I mean, it is, it does sound silly, but I mean, that's just, that's just what, what we live in. Every aspect, I, you know, I'm just used to and conditioned, like probably most of us that, you know, yeah, I can do what I want within this box. Right. Yeah. I mean, it, once you start getting into like these minor little things, that's when you start to go, Oh, and I think that really is what kind of turns a lot of people towards looking into libertarianism. It's not it's not like the federal deficit or even the wars or some of those bigger issues. It's those little uh, like quit roughing me up, get out of my face type mm-hmm. policies from their local, you know, the smoking ban goes into effect and puts their business uh, out of business or their property tax right. bill goes up or they're like, "Why yeah. can't I have chickens?" Uh, so, yeah. so you, so it's she's the little inconveniences. Exactly right. Yeah. Uh, and so, what what did you when you were when you found out you couldn't have chickens? What was your reaction then? Well, my reaction was, are, are you sure? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that it seems so ridiculous that it would be banned. You know. Uh, so, uh, so sure enough, you know, I found out that that was the case, and so um, we started talking to neighbors and. One of the neighbors told us that there was a, um, a group that was uh, trying to get together. And, and so my wife got involved with a few other people. And one of them, she was very excited. There was a, a group that was uh, going to uh, push, try to push forward a, a, a law onto the, onto, um, onto the city council like, so it would get voted on. But then the city council decided to take it up um, as an ordinance as opposed to like something that was brought before the voters of the city. They, were, they decided to bring it up as an ordinance. And, and, uh, so, and we found out about this, and we were very excited. And we decided uh, – uh, and, and we, I don't know. They, they have their – I've never been able to go to a single city council meeting. They are always at the – just the worst possible time for me to attend. I mean, I, I think an, an, an average person should be, would be able to attend because the, they're on Tuesdays at like 6.30 or 7.00. But – I never was able to attend, so neither of us went to kind of like speak on ha- on behalf of the chickens. Um, but then it, it failed; they they voted it down. In my in my town, there are four city council members and then the mayor, and they make up those that um, that vote on this. And it was a, a three to two um, uh, a defeat. So um, let, let me ask you: got, like, how many how many citizens roughly in your town? Uh, um, it's about um, probably twenty two, twenty three thousand people. So we're not talking about an enormous amount of people here. We're talking, you know, especially with four. What, how many did you say? Four councilors, five. Four, yeah, forty city councilors and the mayor. That's okay. who voted on it. Gotcha. Uh, okay, so then they they voted down, and like at that point, you go. <laughs> There's citizens standing up going, hey, this is kind of ridiculous. What, what were the arguments? Why did they say that they voted this down? Well, so mostly it was just there were some concerns about noise and there were concerns about, uh, you know, cleanliness and hygiene and, and who and then and then um, so the two people who were the two city council members who were just dead set against it, um, I mean, they both they did that whole thing with like, well, I've, I've got, I've got chickens or I grew up with chickens and it's just something that doesn't belong in our town. And, um, 
I, you know, I, I, because I emailed each of, I emailed everybody on the on the city council and on the those who voted for it. I, I thank them for voting for it, and I asked them, you know, what can what can I do to how can I help move this forward? Um, and then for the three that that voted against, when I emailed them, um, and I said, hey, you know, like these, and I I, I listed out my reasons for wanting to have uh, chickens and explaining there are there are a lot of myths around chickens about like noise and stuff and and um uh, and, and cleanliness and that sort of thing and and there's not you know so i i listed all these things and, I, and then i said hey you know but i would like to speak to you more about it and uh can we meet and um because let me back up a step my wife was i mean she was really heartbroken over this and like i say i know it sounds a little silly because it is kind of a small thing but um she was really a, really broken up about it now people, I, people are usually very upset when they can't live their lives as they see fit like it really is yeah. it doesn't matter if it's a small thing it's somebody using force telling you that you're not allowed to do on your property what you see as best for you and your property like it is it is an upsetting thing when you're when you're like this small quality of life thing isn't allowed and mm-hmm. somebody's telling me it's like they're going to arrest me if i do if i have Four, yeah. you know, two chickens. Am I? Yeah. So, so I, yeah. Yeah, I get it. Can I, can I ask before you go back to to your wife, the makeup, mm-hmm. the makeup of the mayor and the four city councilors, their party affiliation, and what party? Oh, who was a four and who was a? Pretty sure they're all Republican. I mean, okay. again, I'm in small town Texas. You know, right. I'm pretty sure they were all Republican. In okay. fact, I don't even know if they. I, I don't. I don't know if they had their party affiliation listed but i would not be surprised that they were all republican and that's what you see in these small towns and it's always one party rule but they fight amongst themselves on these issues right. and the republicans who claim oh, I'm, a, I'm gonna vote for donald trump because i want limited government and then they're the city county councilor and they're you know voting for every major transportation project or when i was executive director of indiana it was every single town that you'd go to and the party I would go and affiliate counties and every time somebody wanted to start an affiliate it was because the local republicans usually in indiana had a 100 you know a 100 million dollar project that the county was undertaking and everybody was pissed about it and so there is it's it's very prolific so all right so you you going back your wife is very upset yes she's very upset and you know, I, I like I chickens. I could take it or leave it. You know, I can get right. my eggs at the grocery store or not. That doesn't really bother me. But my wife cares about this immensely, which means that I care about it. Immensely. Okay, <laughs> I've been married. So, I know. Yes. Yeah. So, so again, I said when I saw the news and uh, and I knew my wife was going to be broken up about it. So that's when I, at that point I got. I got keenly involved, uh, very interested, and I, I decided <laughs> something. I don't know what I can do, but I'm going to do something. Okay. Right. And so that's when, that's when the email started. Fortunately um, for my town, like getting the email addresses of the city councilors was very easy. I mean, they're all listed on the website as well as phone numbers where I could reach them. Um, I, I heard back from everybody, like everybody emailed me back. Um, the two of the three who voted against were very, um, uh, they just, they weren't very receptive to, to anything. Like they kind of listed out their reasons for why they did what they did. Um, I replied 
and said, hey, you know, I'd really like to talk to you about this in person. Um, like, can we meet for lunch or can we, uh, you know, can, can we get together and, and talk in person? And uh, I didn't hear back from two of them. But the third one, um, who was widely considered um, in the town to be the swing vote, he did um, say, yeah, you know, let's get together. And uh, we, we agreed to meet at a, a local restaurant. And uh, we sat down with him and um, my youngest son came with us because of just the time of the day. That's a great angle. Bring the cute little kid. Bring the cute little uh, I'll kid. I'll tell you, because yeah. this, it was really, it was really kind of funny because we were sitting, uh, eating lunch and we'd been chatting and talking for probably 30 or 40 minutes. And we had told our son like, Hey, you know, we're going to go talk to this man about chickens and, and he, we're hoping he's going to help us to have chickens and, and just really out of the blue. And I swear, well, this was not rehearsed. My, my youngest, um, he says, Hey, um, sir. Uh, and, and, and this gentleman who's, you know, he, he, I mean, my, my son, he's cute. He's a lot of fun. So he said, yes, what, you know, how, what can I do for you? And he said, um, is it okay if we have chickens? <laughs> <laughs> and so, I mean, like, you know, the poor guy. And I, I was like, Oh, Russell, that's not, that's not fair. We can't, we can't ask him that. That's not fair. It's not, it's not up to him alone, you know? And the poor guy, he was like, he was like, Oh yes, of course you can have chickens. I'll give you anything you want. I, you know, I'm, I'm a grandfather. I can promise anything. You know, it was, it was really fun. We, we it was, it was a good, uh, a good experience. We, we had a really nice lunch with them. We sat down, we talked to him. We chatted about several different um, ideas that, uh, that he had, that we had as far as like, what could um, really, like, what kind of compromise could could be had here? And eventually, what because they did eventually bring this uh, back up, uh, probably a month or so after we had lunch. It came back before the city council because a lot of people in the city were. I think everybody just assumed that it was going to happen, and that there. And it, so there weren't very many people who had made their opinions know, known. Um, but then, you know, so it was back on the, uh, on the, um, docket or whatever they call it at the city council and, um, they voted on it and what they, the ordinance that was eventually passed was one of the ones that we had kind of hammered out in that lunch. So, hmm. you know, I don't know if that was the genesis of it or, or, you know, it, or, or not, but it was uh, exactly what we had discussed and kind of thought that would be a good compromise um, that would kind of fix all the problems that, that people had with it. Yeah, so I think first mistake that people make is that they they think they can't make an impact. But on your local community, it's usually so small, and the government that affects you the most is so small that you can have a serious impact, and you can have seriously good, decent relationships with the people that you are are there with. You can get involved and go to the meetings and you don't have to be antagonistic. It doesn't sound like you were antagonistic. I think if you had come at it from a perspective of this is my freedom, gosh darn it, and you're going to give it to me or, or I'm going right. to throw you out of office and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Like, I, 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 it sounds like that probably wouldn't have been a winning strategy here. Well, you know, we approached it from the standpoint of, um, and we talked about this as, you know, as we were getting ready uh, for it. I mean, I thought about like printing out some articles and showing them to them and being like, Hey, you know, this is the, the benefits of backyard chickens and, you know, stuff like that. And we just decided we really needed to kind of get to know who this gentleman was and like what, 
what motivates him, what were his actual concerns, were, you know, what was really going on. And I think that worked out really well. So in other words, we were trying to remember that he's an actual human and not just some avatar for our pent up frustrations, you know? Right. And, um, and that worked out really, really well for us, which unfortunately not everybody in my town um, took that kind of a position because there in fact, an entire Facebook group was created. And I want to say that they titled it um, the, the chicken cross the road, duh, any other questions? It was something along those lines. It was really kind of um, condescending. And, and, and they, these people that were in there were very, um, very passionate and very passionately expressing their opinions about why this was uh, so wrong and, and why they needed to, to, to pass it. And, you know, that just, turns people off. You can't work with people when you're when you've got that sort of relationship. Yeah, and I think I think I may have actually given you that because you asked my advice and I was like just get to know the guy. Right. Like just see, treat him like a human being because what happens so often is that people people want to be they want to go at it aggressively, they want to go at it through with anger, they think that their emotion is going to sway the other person. What that does is that makes the other person retreat. And mm-hmm. I've just seen state legislators have their minds changed by lobbyists. I've watched lobbyists, and how do they do it? Well, they take them to lunch, and they have a conversation yep. with them, and they know they have grandkids, yep. and they have a nice, friendly, mm-hmm. cordial relationship. And it's not necessarily corrupt. It's just them saying, I have research that says this is why you should vote this way, and I want you to actually go over this. And I know I'm going to have a better time of getting the information that I want presented if I treat them like a person. And mm-hmm. having been friends with so many local officials over the years, they really resent being treated like they're in Washington D.C. They're they're like I'm I'm out here representing twenty thousand people. I'm not or three thousand people. I'm not I'm not Congress. I'm not the one that is doing X, right. Y, and Z. Like just talk to me like a person. And I I think that applies to your Congress people too. I think. You know, mm-hmm. the, the radicals who think, oh, I'll oppose them in a restaurant and I'll knock down their front door if they're on Fox News. Like, that's the wrong way to get people to change their mind about things. Like, treating them well, like a person is how you actually do it. And so if you, I've, I've just watched these lobbyists over the years actually sit down and have conversations with elected officials. And then I've also seen the elected officials and how they react to the radicals. And I think libertarians, as you go out into your local communities, you have to, I mean, it's it's something that Alinsky always, it's how he kind of convinced the Hillary Clintons and Barack Obamas of the world. He said, you have to drop the radical pose for the, and adopt a more um, conservative, uh, like, basically he was saying the revolution will come in suits and not in in uh, storming the Bastille here, so mm-hmm. and, and you see that on the left, and so you have to drop the radical pose to for the more for the radical ends. I think that's what the phrase was, but uh, and and I've just seen that libertarians are much more effective because the majority of libertarians that I've always been around are rational thinking people. They're usually white collar. They're usually people who just have you know an interest in making their local community better. And when they actually go and talk to those people, they think, oh, geez, I'm meeting a libertarian. Or I, I, did you even say, I'm a libertarian and I want to talk to you? Did you even bring your political? No, I, there, was no there was really no discussion of like politics beyond. I mean, it wasn't even about politics. It was just about, hey, you know, what, what's going to make this work? Like, what's going to make everybody like, what are your concerns and how, how, can we, how can we have 
how can we satisfy all parties here? Like not and by party, I don't mean political parties, but just like, how can we, how can we solve your, your concerns and still have our freedom? Right. And so libertarians, just like you're normal people. And so go be normal. And because of the Republicans and the Democrats are so entrenched in their tribes and they're so crazy right now, the libertarians always look super rational. And that's why <laughs> libertarians got appointed to boards, state commissions, local uh, alcohol boards in Indianapolis, because the libertarians were super normal. <laughs> and so, so they were Isn't like, Isn't that ironic? Yeah, I know. And so, you know, when it came time for uh, alcohol board commissioners, some libertarians were appointed to it. And. Uh, so yeah, uh, zoning commissions. I think it was so. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tim McGuire and Bla- Brad Klaffenstein run their local zoning commissions. You know, so they were making zoning choices, and mm-hmm. so yeah, I would just encourage people to do exactly what you did, which is just send an email and say, "Hey, can we get lunch, or can we get dinner, or can we meet up at a coffee shop?" And you know, I just want to hear right. your thoughts on this. I have some thoughts on this, and let's see where we can meet in the middle. You don't even need to bring in your party affiliation. Just treat them like people, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and bring bring a cute toddler if you have to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. That did work out well. You know, and then um, what's interesting, like, so we had this really, really, we, we parted ways with smiles and handshakes, and it was a very um, a very good meeting. Now, I have not seen him again since, since that, but my wife um, will attend. She's a... Um, she's a dentist in town. And so she goes to the local chamber of commerce meetings uh, once a month and she runs into him there very often. And it's, uh, it's funny cause now she's got this relationship with him. And so they always chat for a few minutes and it, and it, it so it was making me think um, later about how, you know, if, if there's something that's coming up, I mean, she may by him be seen as like a resource in the community uh, that he can turn to and get her opinion about something you know, whether, you know, whether it's related to dentistry or not, or, and then, and then also myself, like he knows, he knows that I'm a, I'm a resource for him as well in the community with, uh, with these. And so it's a, that relationship, uh, that you build, um, the thing I've noticed in life that just kills me sometimes because you can have all the facts and logic on your side, but at the end of the day, what changes, what really, what really people need are they need those personal relationships. They need, it's all about interpersonal relationships and, um, and, and being able to relate to somebody. Right. Absolutely. So this is a great story and I hope that many of you will adopt this in your local community, become an influencer of local politicians. You know, one of the most important things that libertarian party candidates do every year is they debate in, in local forums against their competition and they, uh, I've seen so many, I've seen dozens of libertarian candidates over the years debate their, their uh, opponents of either party, and they always go, you know, hey, let's keep in touch after this, because, you know, I, uh, I'd love to pick your brain, and they then become an influencer of that person. Rupert ran for governor against Mike Pence. Mike Pence saw Rupert talking about um, uh, uh, education that is not college preparatory what's it called vocational training and so mike pence tested it it tested really well it was a plank that he ran on and then mike pence eventually instituted more funding for vocational training and so rupert got one of his central uh things passed by the governor 
You know, he didn't get any credit, but he didn't yeah, care because amazing. he actually changed the state of Indiana because he was talking mm-hmm. about something that nobody else was talking about. So being an influence in your local community for liberty, you don't have to run for office. You don't have to do a podcast. You don't have to do anything wild. Just get lunch with the people that are on the town council. So great story, and I appreciate you sharing it with people. Uh, now, I can only assume that because you're on the East Coast, you fled your home because it's overrun with chickens. How many chickens did you, did you end up getting? <laughs> they, they allow us to have as many as four. All right. So well, I've, I've got yeah, I've got four freedoms now. You have four freedoms. That's right. <laughs> uh, but I guess it's better than no freedoms. And hey, here's the thing: it's it's progress. And then you mm-hmm. you can go back a few years later and say, uh, I, I want more chickens, and nothing yeah. bad has happened. There's been no massive chicken mm-hmm. casualties, no bird flu in the community. Yeah. And people- well, they were they were really worried about uh, stretching the resources of like police and animal. Uh, whatever they call them, humane officers. Uh, that was, that was really one of the biggest sticking points. And, uh, and so like, but to your point, you know, in, in three or, ye- or four years, um, when they see that that really isn't an issue, you know, they'll, they'll probably loosen it up or there won't be the same justification to prevent something else like this in the future. Yeah. So here's what you do here in the next couple years, get to know the PIO, the public information officer of whomever, is at the police department. They can help you get in in contact with animal services. Keep a little stat book or a spreadsheet of chicken-related runs or costs. Uh I'm guessing Uh it will be almost nothing. And then, you know, send an email. So it's a a paper trail. And so you have these emails, and then you can say, listen, I've, I've been tracking this for the last four years. There's been no issues with any of the concerns that were there originally. I, I propose that we that we take the limit uh, off of the chickens because it's not going to harm anybody or we raise it to mm-hmm. 25 or whatever the, you know. And so th- then then you really start to see, that's when you start to see changes. And so, you know, people have to have that little, even if you're just getting a taste of freedom and then to start carving it out because this is the way that the system works. Like there's no, right. Jason's not going to go down there and overthrow his local town council uh, you know, he can run against them, yeah. but, uh, you know, at the end of the day, you, you did the right thing. So great work. And I appreciate you being a supporter of We Are Libertarians. And I am very glad that you got four freedoms out of it. Thank you. Yes. And it is just a reminder that, that, um, the best government is local government. Yep. That's right. Because you tr- tried to get a meeting with your Senator, or your house rep. <laughs> You, yeah. you you can actually get a meeting with your town counselor and get to know them and make change. And that's why you want government to be as close to you as humanly possible. Right. So you can keep an yep, eye on it. Exactly. All right, Jason, thanks so much for coming on the show. My pleasure. Anytime. Thanks for telling the story. All right. We'll see you tomorrow, everybody.